grace and peace to you. As many of you know, Trinity Arntsville and many other congregations throughout the nation are not worshiping for the next couple of weeks. In order that we might still have something to do, I've developed a couple of resources. One is an order for home worship. It is available through Trinity's email chain, and it will soon be available on Trinity's website as well as Trinity's Facebook page. Uh, Trinity Arntsville in Arntsville, Pennsylvania. The second is these, are these. These are a series of sermon-type experiences that we will use um, both in their own setting, but also as a, as a piece of a order for home worship. I hope you find them helpful. For today's experience, we're using the gospel text for the third Sunday in Lent, and that comes from John chapter 4, verses 5 through 42. And it's a long one, folks, so (laughs) here we go. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water and said to Jesus, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water, so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have is now not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then the disciples came. They were astonished to see that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, What do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her jar and went back to the city. 
She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were, and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent, you re I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So, when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. This is a long and really neat text. And there's just so many ways, dozens if not hundreds if not thousands of ways, that it can speak to us. But, as usual, I think it's good to anchor ourselves in one of the ways, not trying to limit the gospel, but trying to focus on something. And so I have a question for you here at the beginning. Have you ever broken something and tried to fix it? Have you ever broken something and tried to fix it? I remember that breaking something uh, when I was growing up was a double-edged sword because first I was sad that I had broken whatever it was that I had broken, whether it's a toy or something bigger because then you get in even more trouble or anything else. But the other edge of that experience was that eventually the conversation would come around to whether or not we can fix it whether or not it's capable of being fixed. It was really cool to see my mom and my dad both look at something and determine whether or not they can repair it. I thought it was astounding whenever they could repair things. They put wheels back on trucks, toy trucks, and actual trucks. They put uh, action figures back together that or at one point missing limbs or heads or anything else. They put structures back together that were accidentally torn down. They put, they even put little radios back together with a soldering iron. It was really cool to see them fix things. But some things they couldn't fix. Some things they, they would look at it and they're like, I, I don't know. I don't know if we can fix that. And some things were so complicated that maybe they could have fixed it, but they would say it might not be worth fixing. 
this last phrase, it might not be worth fixing, always kind of stuck in my craw a little bit. Because in my head, both then and now, there's a small part of me that always believes if we can fix something, why wouldn't we try? If we can't fix something, why just let it go? Why, why not try? I understand that this phrase wasn't trying to demean the value of whatever we were looking at, but was trying to take into account the amount of time and the amount of energy and even the amount of money that might go into something. I understand that. I've had to make similar decisions myself. This valuation of time and energy and even money is one that follows us wherever we go. We make decisions based on worth about what we're going to do and how we're going to be. Jesus makes a similar decision in today's story. When Jesus meets a woman, a woman who is clearly isolated from others, a woman who is clearly not full of self-confidence, though she does have a good amount. A woman who might feel broken or might feel hurt by others. Whatever she feels, when Jesus encounters this woman, Jesus finds that she is worth time and energy and effort. Now, I should say right now that because of my previous analogy, I'm not trying to imply that this woman is broken, nor am I trying to imply that we should use the same litmus test for people that we do with objects. It's just a way of seeing how we value time. The analogy was used for that, that is. Here, we are seeing the way that Jesus views time. And as the God of heaven and earth, we see this incarnation seeing an incredible good use of time and energy and value and talking with someone that he does not know, or at least she does not know him, and spending a lot of time just talking and a lot of time working through things and a lot of time and energy and effort is being invested into her. The God of heaven and earth. Eventually, because of this time and energy and effort invested into a single person, she is able to go to her community and her whole community is able to have time and energy and effort invested into them two whole days. When the God of heaven and earth walks across the earth, it seems like both last week with Nicodemus and this week with the woman at the well, we have a God that values each and every individual. It's no secret that the reason we're not having worship today is so that we can care for people who might be susceptible to an illness. And it is a controversial move, to say the least, not to have worship. 
it is easy to say that it is a better use of our time and energy to meet and to gather, to, to be with one another and to hear the good news of God in Christ Jesus. It's, a, it's an easy argument to make. It's an easy argument to make to say that we are going to mess up a whole society doing this. And we probably are. So why are we doing this? I think it's because we want to help. I think it's because we want to serve the people who we know are going to get hurt if we don't. I think we looked at something incredibly complex and incredibly difficult and and is inevitably going to take a huge amount of time and energy and effort and money. And said, because of the people we see worked up in all of this, that it's worth it. It is worth people. It's worth time and energy and effort to care for people. And it's, I hope we understand that that we are going to be asked to give time and energy and effort and money for months, if not years after this, towards all the people that get swept up in harmful ways by the actions that we're taking. There'll be people who lose jobs. There already are. There'll be people who lose income. There'll be people who lose opportunity and money. Lives are being kind of thrown around. And I am sorry for that. I wish there was a move that I could make where each and every individual felt the same way that this woman at the well felt. Like the God of heaven and earth finds them worthy of time and energy and effort. I'm trying we are trying to do that, even as we miss the mark. I think there might be a way of doing it, though. I think if we can take a cue or two from this woman at the well, from one of the first apostles... I think if we can go in the same way that she did and share with the ones we know and the ones that we don't, that there is a God of heaven and earth who spends a lot of time with us, a lot of energy in us, and a lot of everything in us. I think we, if we can go into our communities and share not just the message that that's happening but enact some of those things our own very selves, it'll be a step in the right direction. If we can be people who keep checking in on our neighbors throughout this time and throughout the years ahead, it'll be worth it. If we can be people that shovel out all of the just frivolity of our lives 
so that we have time, like Jesus, to sit with just about anyone we come into contact with, so that we have time to actually have conversations, so that we have enough time not to fear conversations, not to fear being overwhelmed by people's stories, but to actually embrace it. That'll be a step in the right direction. If we can set aside some of our money, those who have a lot, for those who have a little, it'll be a step in the right direction. Here today, I think we have a God of heaven and earth that has looked at us and said we are worth it and asks us to look at the ones who are most vulnerable to this virus and the ones who are most vulnerable to our changes and to tell them that they are worth it too. They are worth everything we have and everything we are. You are worth it too. You are worth time and energy and effort. You are worth the changing of lives and the new patterns. You're worth it. I really hope there's a way for us to express that to you. Whatever you do this next week and wherever you are, try to share actions and words of value towards one another. And I hope you genuinely hear these things from me. You are worth it. You are worth my time and my energy and my effort. You are worth it. You are worth the God of heaven and earth's time and energy and effort. I hope this time we have shared together just now has been worth your time and energy and effort. And may God be with you this week. Amen.